Hello Blazers, welcome to episode 22 of UAB Green and Told, original air date, Monday, June 22nd, 2020. Through this podcast, we are able to share stories from members of the UAB family. I'm Greg Berry, Assistant Director in the UAB Office of Alumni Affairs. On this episode, we welcome Joseph Martinez, a doctor weeks away from starting his first position at East Alabama Medical Center. As Joseph will share, his journey is one similar to fantasy, a story that begins with his Mexican immigrant parents. Because neither one of them graduated high school, they both dropped out in the sixth grade, and English isn't their primary language, so I never felt like like I would be able to ask them academic stuff. And despite a strong determination to find success, he'll explain why he didn't feel he fit in when he started medical school. So I'm an applicant that didn't make straight A's. I went to a two-year community college for five years. I got all my pre-med courses at Wallace Community College. Plus, he'll pass along his advice to other first-generation Americans who are looking to live out their fantasies. So the limitations to me are your own mind. Sometimes it's hard to see that. You have to recognize that the limit is your own limit. Dr. Joseph Martinez is weeks away from completing his cardiothoracic surgery training. When he does, it'll be the latest chapter in his family's life story. It's one that includes his parents immigrating from Mexico to live the American dream. Joseph's story, or let's call it a real-life fantasy, is one of determination and finding a confidence that allowed him to fit in. But before that, we need a background into where he came from, before UAB, and before he was even born. And if it weren't for a wrong turn when his dad embarked on a cross-country trip to get his mom from California, you never know how history would have played out. I was born and raised in Alabama, but he he didn't intend to live in Alabama. He came to Florida um, and was in the process of bringing my mom over, and he was going to meet my mom in California. But he took a wrong turn off of the interstate and ended up going north and ran out of gas in Alabama. So, so he, he ended up in Dothan, Alabama. He ran out of gas and parked his car in the parking lot of a cemetery because that's the only place he could find. And he stayed there for a couple of weeks looking uh, for work, looking for safety, essentially, living off of the, the peanuts and the public water that was, that was there. Uh, he eventually found a job and saved up enough money to eventually later bring my mom back over. <laughs> And that couldn't have been easy communicating with your mom because this is in the day before <laughs> all of this technology, all of this cell phone, and all of this this stuff that we're doing now with Zoom. Go, going across the border was way different then than it is now. I mean, it's still dangerous either way. Um, but when you're doing it like like that, it was certainly certainly dangerous. But enough enough people knew enough people, and it was enough word of mouth to be able to to do those things. Again, I, you know, that was before my time, and I don't know the details because he doesn't talk about that much, but they ended up making it across in California and then finding their way back to Alabama, which is where he had some roots because he, <laughs> he, he ran out of gas and spent some time there. You know, he found a job, found a place. Uh, we bought a, he bought a mobile home, a little plot of land, and, and that's where they started, and he kept his job, and we were eventually born and raised there. So you were born in Dothan. What was Dothan like when you were growing up? Um, You're a first-generation American living in southeast Alabama. Beside my immediate family and my three brothers, 
there weren't very many Hispanic people. <laughs> it was, uh, there really weren't any. I mean, there was one guy that my dad was friends with, uh, but we, you know, we went to school, went to a country school, a county school, um, and we were pretty much our best friends because we were the only ones that were like ourselves, you know? Uh, we had friends, obviously, you know, the white community, the black community, but, in, you know, you're a kid, you're a kindergartner, you're a six, seven, eight-year-old kid, and it's obvious that <laughs> I'm not here, I'm not there. I'm kind of stuck in the middle here. Um, and, you know, I knew my family was from Mexico, and we, we would visit Mexico between between grades over the summer, and, and it was obvious that I wasn't from Mexico either, you know, <laughs> even though yeah. my family was from, from there. Looking back, it was it really did a lot in terms of, of growth because you realize how fortunate you are to grow up in a place like the United States because, you know, we would visit our family and we would take them our clothes that we grew out of. We would give our cousins that were my age clothes and I always thought, man, I feel like, I feel like this isn't fair, you know? And you're a kid, you're thinking those things as a kid. Um, I wish, I wish that they could have what I have, but then the world just doesn't work that way. And you're, you're a kid thinking those things and you grow up and I don't know, it just helps you grow. It helps you think differently. Um, but you know, growing up in, in Alabama was, I loved it. I did obviously I didn't know anything differently. My yeah. best friends, I mean, everything. I, I was born and raised in Alabama, Did uh, went to college in Alabama, med school in Alabama, residency in Alabama. I'm doing fellowship here in Texas. It's the first time I've spent a protracted amount of time outside of Alabama. All of my roots and friends are there, and I loved everybody there. What kind of kid were you growing up through elementary school on into high school? I would say I was a very quiet kid. I don't know why. I, even still now, I think I'm relatively quiet. People say that I'm quiet. But the people that really, really know me, they they know that I, I'm joking around all the time. I feel like I got this from my dad. My dad played played a major, major role in how I was raised and how I view the world. But I noticed that when he talked to people, he asked a lot of questions. He didn't do much talking. And I always wondered, is, is was this because he was maybe unsure of the world, unsure of the conversation? But when you look back, I feel like he knew exactly what he was doing. And I think, I think you learn more when you just listen and watch and observe and feel the conversation and see the people that are around you. So you can know the right questions to ask and, and things to do, look for opportunities and stuff like that. But I feel like when I was a kid, I was probably a quiet kid. What kind of challenges were you faced with growing up, especially academically? That's, a, that's an interesting question. So I never felt like I struggled in school. Uh, but the interesting part is that even when I did, I didn't feel like I could count on my parents because neither one of them graduated high school. They both dropped out in the sixth grade and English isn't their primary language. So I never felt like, like I would be able to ask them academic stuff. That's just the way I felt growing up. Um, but honestly, I just kind of figured it out on my own, you know, between friends and seeing what other people did and, just hearing advice from different teachers. Academically, I I never really struggled in high school. I didn't really have to really, really study until I got into college, but then that was a little bit of an awakening because <laughs> the level of difference was significantly higher and I had to change my study habits. But I mean, it, it worked. But I, in terms of academics, I always did fine. I feel like I'm lucky in that perspective. You initially started out in the nursing <clears throat> realm, or at least you wanted to be a nurse when you went to Wallace Community College. 
was that just an end or a means to the end and going to medical school or did you kind of shift your journey during that time? So when I graduated high school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Uh, my dad always told us, you have to graduate, you have to get an education. If you don't get an education, you're going to end up like us. You're going to be working, you know, some hard manual labor out in the fields or doing something like us and everybody that you know, you have to get an education. Like, okay, I'm doing that. But what does that mean? <laughs> you know, you're a kid, right? You're ninth grade, eighth grade, 10th grade. Like, great, I'm in school because it's, that's what I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. I'm getting an education. Um, but beyond that, I had no idea what I was going to do. Um, but he always said, if you want to have a good life, you should be a lawyer, an engineer, a doctor, an architect. Just go, go be something. You know, go to college and be something. Okay, fine. What does it mean to be an architect? What does it mean to be a lawyer? Like, you can't just walk into a school and say, hey, I want to be a lawyer. Like, what does that mean? And when I talk about not having guidance academically, that's kind of what I meant. You know, I don't know. I didn't know any of those people. I didn't know any doctors. I didn't know any architects to ask the questions, to, to know where to even start. So I graduated high school with a two-year academic scholarship to the local community college, which is Wallace Community College. I knew that that's where I was going to go because I had two years of free college. I mean, that to me just made sense. There was no, there was no other path. I was going to graduate and go to Wallace for two years, whatever that meant. Yeah. I feel like things just kind of fell in place. And my brother, my older brother, two years older than me, he was a nurse at a hospital in Dothan. And I knew he was a nurse, but I had no idea what a nurse even was. I didn't know what nurses even did. I just knew a nurse was a profession. I knew it was a job. I knew it was a thing. But one day I was talking to him in the front yard and we were, you know, 16, 17, 18. Um, and he was telling me a story of him. He worked in the ER also of him doing CPR on a patient and the patient surviving and doing okay. And he's telling me this story and I'm thinking, you did that. <laughs> You know, like this is the stuff that you hear and see on TV. You know, we, we used to watch this show called Rescue 911 growing up mm -hmm. and I loved it. I loved the, those kind of shows. And, and he just told a story right out of the Rescue 911 playbook. I'm thinking, this guy's my brother. Like he just told me that that's what he does for a living. I said, if that's what a nurse does, sign me up. You know, I looked into it. Nursing school is a two year program. I had two years of free college and my mind made sense. It was an easy decision. What I didn't account for was that you actually have to take some prerequisites to before you get into the two-year program. So this is me again, not having much <laughs> academic guidance. But I said, fine, you know, I, I, after I got in, I realized that was the case. And I said, well, I'm gonna have a few semesters of unaccounted for, uh, unaccounted education. We'll figure it out. You know I mean? You just kind of, you figure things out as they go along. We didn't have, I mean, we didn't have a lot of money. I did not want to burden my parents with any kind of loans or anything, because in my mind, they did everything they could to put us in a position to succeed by getting, by getting us here. And if I couldn't figure out how to do it being born here, then that's on me. That, that's, that was my mindset growing up. So as the time went on, uh, I took a job at a hospital in Dothan, Flowers Hospital. Found out that they had a, a scholarship program where they would pay for nursing school if you agreed to work for them for two years, if you had the academics that supported that. And so I applied and I got that scholarship. And, and so that's three and a half years worth of college that I ended up getting paid for. And so was it a means to an end? At that time, no. When I graduated high school, no. When I applied to nursing school, no. 
But when I started working in the ER, I realized the question that I had unanswered several years ago. I don't know any doctors. I don't know any architects. I don't know any, you know, engineers to know where to get started. Well, now I do. And so now it's on me to figure out how to do it. And so when I was in that position, you know, picking brains, seeing what the doctors do, is it something I would want to do? I mean, I always felt like, in my, in my mind, I felt like I could do anything that I decided to do. I just may not have known how to do it at any point, but I, I never felt like there was anything I couldn't, I could not do if I didn't really, really think about it. So after working for a period of time, I felt like I could do it. And yeah. I thought it'd be fun to work in the ER as an ER doctor. Um, I saw what they did and I felt like, I felt like it, it would be something that I could do. And people told me that I should do it. Some people told me that they thought I would be really good at it. So between what I was thinking and between what other people told me, I felt like it was the right decision. So now the question is, how do I get into medical school? <laughs> mm -hmm. So talk a little bit about that process, because at this point, if I'm doing the math right and, and hearing you, it's been a couple of years from the time you went to high school, you went to community college, and then you went to work at Flowers. I knew when I was going to graduate that I was going to have to apply for a bachelor's degree to get into medical school. And so I went to the counselor and the, the guidance counselor at the community college. So I just thought I'd go to her office and ask a question you know, hey, what does it, you know, take to get into medical school? Can I have a list of medical schools that are close to Dothan? I mean, I didn't know anything about it other than I got to start somewhere. And so she just looked at me with kind of a surprised look and said, you know, not many people actually ask about medical school. I said, okay, can you just give me a list of schools that I can just look into? Because I, I knew UAB existed because everybody knows UAB in the state of Alabama. Yeah. I said, you know, I need, I need more options because one option that's, you know, I need to like look at places. And so she said, I don't know much about the details of where you should or shouldn't apply, but I do have this. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but it has something to do with med school. And so she reaches, turns around, reaches into her filing cabinet and pulls out a piece of paper and gives it to me. And I said, that was, that was kind of a failure. You know, I, I grabbed it. I didn't look at it. I said, thanks, you know, appreciate your time, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And so I walk in my car, I'm thinking, well, that was a waste of time. Like, I don't know where to go now. She couldn't help me. I guess I can just ask some other doctor to see what they think. But I read this thing when I get in my car, and it's an application to a scholarship um, for residents of Houston County, which is where Dothan is, and the three adjacent counties. And if you live within that county and the three adjacent counties, you would qualify to apply for a full-paid scholarship to medical school. And so she didn't know what she was giving me. And I didn't know what I was even asking for. <laughs> and what happened to fall on my lap was an application for a full paid scholarship to med school. And so my logic at that point was, if she didn't know about it, and nobody that I work with knows about it, for all I know, I might be the only person that applies for this thing this year. I, I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I don't know. This may be something that's well known, but it isn't to me. So I'm just going to go 100% on this application and do what I can. And I got that scholarship. I got the scholarship, but it was before I got into medical school. They said, this, this, this will be yours, but you have to get into medical school. And, and the scholarship was such that it applied, it would pay for any school anywhere. You just had to get in. And I said, well, I still have some, I still have a year worth of bachelor's courses to take before I can even apply and get in. And they said, we'll pay for these. And if you get in, we'll pay for med school. But if you don't, then, you know, 
I've gotten paid on that. I don't get this opportunity and I don't, I don't make it work. There's no way I'm not going to make this work. So we get the scholarship. I get the, I got to take the MCAT. It's another one of those tests that, you know, it's a make or break test. You know, a lot of people <laughs> stress over the MCAT. Yeah. Um, so I took, I took all my vacation time the summer before applying for med school. Uh, I saved up all my vacation time for about a year and I went from full-time nursing down to uh, full-time, but only on the weekends. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday was what I worked every weekend. And I took Monday through Friday off. And Monday through Friday, I drove to Birmingham. I took a, a three-month course for MCAT prep. So I, would, I rented an apartment for six months in Birmingham, living in Dothan. And I would live in Birmingham Monday through Friday and come back and work in Dothan Friday night, Saturday, Sunday. And so that's how I kept my job in Dothan and I paid for the apartment in Birmingham and took the MCAT course. And then I took the test and made the score that I needed and got in. Do you think it would, your drive and the passion to get to that next level was sparked by being a first generation American? I absolutely 100% think that, yes. I, I don't know where it came from really because my parents would always say go to school. You got to do this. You got to do that. I mean, I felt like I knew what the right thing was. You just go to school, follow the instructions, do what you got to do, and then, then get a job. <laughs> and then when I get a job, I can buy a car. You know, all these things just seem like the logical right thing to do. But I think really what it is, is that my parents took me to Mexico so many times as a kid. And I knew what it was like outside of the United States. I knew what the world was like, not here. And I knew that they risked their lives, they left everything to come here. And that, to me, was something that I could not not take advantage of. You know what I mean? Like that, if I didn't take advantage of the opportunity, then that's my fault. Mm -hmm. They did everything they could, not speaking the language, leaving their family, being homeless, you know, living on the streets, if I can't do this with all the opportunities, that, that's on me. And I felt like it was the right thing to do. I felt like that's what I was called to do, that this is what I was meant to do. Can you ever fathom being in the position that your parents were? No. When I hear him tell his stories, I just can't even imagine. I took a trip to San Diego just for a few days, my wife and I, for the 4th of July. And I told her where I was. I mean, she knew I was going to California. And I said, hey, I'm in San Diego, I'll, I'll look, at the, look at the view of the, the bay and all this stuff of the, of the ocean. And she said, you know, when I came across, I was like, oh, it was, it was through Tijuana in San Diego. She was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember when we came across, we stayed at a, at a bus station and we couldn't find the person that was supposed to pick us up. So me and your uncle and your dad, we ended up sleeping in a ditch for a couple of days until we could find, I'm like, you're just like, you never told me these, you know, I'm 35 years old and randomly I get these stories and I can't even imagine. I, I sat there and looked, I looked at the street that I was on and I said, none of this was here. All this is new. Like I just try to imagine the landscape with none of those buildings there and just my parents sleeping in a ditch. I, you know, it's crazy. It's crazy. You get into medical school at UAB and there's probably not a lot of others like you, look like you, talk like you, with the same stories as you. 
Did that present any challenges for you or did you look past that because at that point you knew you wanted to set yourself up for success? So one of the things I vividly remember was the very first time I walked into med school as a medical student, not, not the pre-enrollment process where you're meeting the, where you're getting signed up. But when I walked into the Volcker Hall for the first time as a med student to take the first class, I remember thinking, do I belong here? You know, you ask yourself, I know a lot of people that are going to be here went to big universities. They got these, you know, traditional science degrees. They did the MCAT, you know, um, so I didn't make straight A's through college. So I'm an applicant that didn't make straight A's. I went to a two-year community college for five years. I got all my pre-med courses at Wallace Community College. So I was working in Dothan as a nurse, getting online bachelor's through the University of Alabama, but I never actually went there. So I'm walking thinking, do I actually belong here? You know, how am I going to be able to compare with other people that are here? And I didn't know what to expect, really. Um, but growing up, if, if this is going to be anything like the rest of my education, there aren't going to be very many Hispanic people here. <laughs> there just aren't. Um, most of the, I shouldn't say most, but I knew a lot of people will have come from other parents who are doctors. And the reason they wanted to be a doctor is because they have an aunt or an uncle or somebody that they are related to that was a doctor and I'm like, I don't, my mom cleaned houses for a living. My dad, we did landscaping for forever. He worked as a mechanic. He worked at a fertilizer plant. Like I got nothing, you know, I'm just here. We're going to learn it and figure it out. We're going to, we'll see where this goes and it should be fun. But yeah, there were certain questions. There were certain doubt. There were certain, am I going to be able to do this? Um, and I think I felt that way through at least the first couple of classes, because they have it, they have it divided into what they call P1, then P2, 3, the middle 50%, then P4, depending on how your, your grades are in med school. And when I was in the upper 50% for a couple of classes in a row, I said, okay, I belong here. Like this, is, this isn't a fluke, this isn't a joke. I, I did this, I earned this with a lot of help from a lot of people, but I can do it. I'm going to graduate and it's going to be fine. I had a kid and it's my second year of med school. And I said, if I can keep myself in the middle 50% with a kid, um, those first few months, I maintained my grades and I said, okay, we're, I got this. Like, I got it. We got it. Let's go. Most of the restraint, most of the um, doubt, it's all internal. You know, it wasn't from any person. It wasn't from any you know, any of the teachers, like everybody was great. Everybody was awesome, nice, helpful. It was, it's all internal. All of that had to be a point of pride for your parents. Yeah. <laughs> you, you could see it. You could see it. Uh, I don't like talking about it. I'd rather, I'd rather they say whatever. I don't want to ever put words in anybody's mouth, but you can, I could tell. It felt good for me um, and I could tell it felt good for them. Did you ever come across a mentor that was Hispanic that helped you through this entire process? No Hispanic mentors. All of my mentors were non-academic related. Um, priests, my parents, 
my parents' friends. Um, we were very close as a family growing up because there weren't, you know, again, there weren't very many of us Hispanics in Southern Alabama growing up. I will say I had a teacher in nursing school who, um, who did push me. I was getting kind of burnt out as you can probably imagine at some point <laughs> going through all that. Um, I was working and in nursing school and, and the grades weren't the best. And she told me, she pulled me into the stairwell in the hall. I was doing nursing clinicals. And I remember she pulled me into the stairwell. And she just looked at me and she said, what, what are you doing? I said, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. She said, it's not, it's not that you don't care. She's like, I know you care. So why, why, why are you slipping? What's going on? I'm like, I don't know. Nursing school seems harder than I thought it was going to be. I mean, what do you, what do you mean? She said, look, I can tell you're working hard. I'm like, honestly, I'm starving. Like, I just want to go eat lunch right now. And the clinicals don't finish for another two hours and I have to go to work right after that. She said, look, I don't care if you have to eat ramen noodles or saltine crackers or peanut butter or whatever, the, you know, heck, I'll say it nicely, you got to do. But you pull yourself together, you get your crap done, and you pass this class. She's like, because I know you care. I was like, I, I do care. She's like, well, then act like it. I'm like, I didn't know I wasn't acting like it. It was one of those moments where you, you, you I'm never going to forget that because somebody saw something that I didn't see in myself. Even though I, I know I could do it, it's still easy to slip. It's still easy to make a little slip here, make a little slip there. And then a semester later, you accidentally didn't pass the class. And people did start seeing something out of you. Um, the Turner Trust Scholarship, where all of your expenses were paid. The UAB Garber Galbraith Excellence in Surgery Award, you're awarded that. And then also the UAB Outstanding Junior Resident Award. What does it mean with just those three and then even beyond that people are taking notice of Joseph Martinez? Of all of those things, the one that I'm the most proud of is the teaching award because that is voted on by your peer at that time, residents, peers. But when they voted and I won that award, I mean, that was something to me, you know, like we've just been talking about this whole time. Do I belong here? And how do I, how do I make it from point A to point B? But people nominate me as an outstanding resident. <laughs> you know, that, that I, I was caught a little off guard and that's one of the proudest things that I've, I've you, on the resume that you're looking at. That That's one of the proudest ones. The next one is being nominated as Alpha Omega Alpha because um, that's voted on by medical students. So you can get that coming out of med school depending on your grades. I didn't have AOA. You know, you apply for residency and, and you're like, you know, people are AOA. The AOAs, they get where they want. They apply. They're highly ranked. Well, I'm not an AOA. You know, that's just the way it is. I didn't get AOA. But the medical students, when I was a resident, nominated me and I eventually became an AOA. And to me, that... It's not necessarily the title, it's the fact that they thought anything of me at all. Mm -hmm. that, that's just, it's just nice. It's just very, I guess, affirming. And it, I'm proud of that, yeah. How do you help an underrepresented demographic in America realize that they can do big things and overcome challenges and become doctors, become architects, become engineers with the Hispanic population? You have to believe that it's going to work for you. 
So the limitations to me are your own mind. Sometimes it's hard to see that. You have to recognize that the limit is your own limit because there's always another way. It may not be plan A, it may be plan B. It may not be plan B, it may be plan E or F. And if that's what it takes, the goal is the same. The path may be slightly different. You may have to take a few turns. I took a few turns. <laughs> I had to take a year off. I was so tired. It doesn't matter if it takes three or four extra turns. Just be patient. Put the work in. Keep your head down. Do what you got to do. You know, you, if you know what the right thing is, you're not going to go wrong. <laughs> but it, it, you have to believe that it's going to work for you. And then you have to go out there and do it. Is there anything over this conversation that we've had, is there anything that we missed that needs to be said? I would like to say that the state of Alabama is a good state. It's a state that helped my parents when they needed help. It's a state that helped me get all my education. It's a state that gave me the opportunity to be where I am today. And the state is made up of people, which means that the people of Alabama are great. The people of Alabama are helping, they're kind, and the University of Alabama at Birmingham, without a doubt, is made up of the same character. Uh, welcoming, helpful, give you the opportunity. So I just would like to tell everybody that you can come to UAB and you can get it done here. That's Dr. Joseph Martinez. Dr. Martinez earned his MD from the UAB School of Medicine in 2012 and completed his residency in surgery in 2017. Currently, he is enrolled in the Class School of Business as he works toward obtaining his MBA. Throughout his life, Joseph has blazed his own path, and he knows what it means to be a blazer. You meet people at UAB <laughs> from all over the place. All over the world, they come and they end up at UAB and they all have their own different stories. I think what it means to be a blazer to me is that you, you, can, you can actually be what you want. You mentioned I'm in, I'm in an online MBA program. I don't know where that's gonna take me. I just wanna keep learning. And to be a blazer, you keep learning. You keep doing what you, what, you, what you want to do. The opportunities are here. Med school, nursing school, they have it all. Business school, engineering school, I mean, if you came to UAB, you can get, you can accomplish whatever you want. And to be a blazer, to me, that's what it means, opportunity. You can help us share these stories with other alumni. I encourage you to leave a written review when you listen to us in iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. And while you're there, be sure to subscribe to UAB Green and Told. Find out more about the podcast at alumni.uab.edu slash greenandtold or email me at greenandtold at uab.edu. And don't forget to check us out on social media. Stay on top of everything alumni on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We can be found at UAB Alumni. Thanks for listening, and until next time, go Blazers!